We meet today in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5. We're still in the section of the doctrinal part of Paul's teaching. We're looking at justification by faith, but now considering the experience of the Galatians. In the first two chapters, Paul has argued that his gospel is the true one. Now the question is, what is Paul's gospel? So in chapter 3 and chapter 4, the apostle defines his gospel. In short, it is that justification, and by the way, when we talk about justification, we're talking of salvation, comes as the result of one's faith in Christ, not as a result of one's trying to obey the law. Paul argues this point by appealing to the Galatians' own experience. Actually, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5, that is the story where the Galatian experience is. He will also talk of the Old Testament scripture that give the testimony to say justification is only through faith, not by the keeping of the law. And that will be covered in chapter 3, verse 6 to verse 14. Then he also appeals to the Abrahamic covenant in verse 15 to verse 18. He will explain the purpose of the law in chapter 3, verse 19 to verse 29. Then he will also speak to the, to the law's temporary nature. And that will be in chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 11. And finally, in chapter 4, verse 21 to verse 31, Paul will talk of, uh, will use an allegory. Uh, and that is the, the allegory of Sarai and Hagar. But still building his case on this point of justification by faith. For our study today, we are looking at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5. The Galatians' own experience. The Apostle Paul sharply reproves the Galatians for departing from that gospel which had been fully preached to them and confirmed by the gift of the Holy Spirit. He does this by going back to the experience that they had gone through. They were saved. Were they saved by law? Or were they saved by faith in Christ Jesus? Now, I personally believe in experience. And when we come to chapter 4, we will deal further with the subject of experience. And now Paul uses their experience and he says, think about it. Think about how you were saved. In fact, that seems to be Paul's method of approach. When Paul was talking about those who were dividing the church in the a Corinthian church, he asked them a question. Think about how you were called. Not many of you were of noble birth. Not many of you were of worldly wisdom. But God called you. He uses the same appeal. Their experience as a beginning point to learn. And it is important when you are talking with someone to even try to see where their journey with God began. And when someone is beginning to humble themselves or even beginning to show like they have superior knowledge to the God who saved them, it's good to take them to the point of their experience 
their first encounter with God. And Paul does it here with the Galatians. O oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? Galatians 3 verse 1 The word foolish here does not denote natural stupidity, but here it is talking of failure to use moral and spiritual discernment. It would sound something like this, all senseless Galatians. You see, the Greek word is anetoi from the root word nos, meaning mind there. He is saying, you are not using your mind. You are not using your nose. You are not thinking. In other words, start thinking. Think afresh. Revisit the way you are thinking. And he then asked the question, who has bewitched you? The word bewitched means to cast an evil spell on someone. Now, Paul is thus saying that the only way to account for their theological deception is by malicious magic. The Greek word rendered was clearly portrayed here among you, means to show forth as on a placard or on a billboard. The gospel had been put on display, clearly seen. The message of salvation had been set forth before the Gentiles' very eyes, meaning their spiritual understanding as a billboard. They had clearly understood the gospel, yet now they were confused about it. His death on the cross made it possible for their salvation. His death on the cross made it possible for my salvation. And his death on the cross made it possible for your salvation. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks of a time to love and a time to hurt and a time of war and a time of peace. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 8, when it came to a question of altering the gospel about Jesus, Paul realized that it was no time for peace, but for intense conflict. Here in Galatians and elsewhere, he issued a very strong rebuke both to those who would pervert the message of the cross, the message of the gospel, in order to preserve their traditions, and even to those who followed those traditions. Now, notice the strong feelings in some of Paul's statements on this very subject. Whenever people were perverting the gospel, Paul was very strong. In chapter 1, verse 6, Paul asked the question, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Christ to a different gospel. He uses the word, I marvel. I am surprised. I am perplexed. In chapter 1 verse 8, Paul says, Even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached, let him be accused. That is a very strong feeling being expressed there. In chapter 1 verse 9, Paul says, As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accused. Uses the same word again. 
And here in chapter 3, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In chapter 4, verse 11, he says, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. In chapter 4, verse 20, he said, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. In chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilations. Wow, very strong feelings coming from the apostle's heart here whenever he is addressing this issue of perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believers in Christ are called to be kind, humble and meek, long-suffering, to bear with one another's burden, to forgive each other, and above all, to love one another as they seek the unity of the body. We find that admonition in Colossians 3 verse 12 to verse 15. Yet at the same time, they are also called to stand fast in the faith. First Corinthians 16 verse 13. And they are also to stand fast in their liberty in Christ. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. They are to contend earnestly for the faith that is Jude 3. So at times that may mean anger and conflict when the very truth of the gospel is under attack. And that is what we are seeing when Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What has happened to you? The energy with which Paul defended the fundamentals of the faith here should actually encourage us as believers today to ask, what challenges to the truth do we need to meet today? Where are compromises being made to basic biblical principles? Is our commitment to the faith strong enough that we are willing to defend it against those who would pervert it to their own advantage, to their own ends. So Paul begins there on a very intense note, but it is for a good cause, for a good purpose. Galatians 3 verse 2 This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Again, he is now building from the argument that he has raised. Paul appeals to the Galatians' own experience now to argue salvation by faith. Note that here the apostle refers to salvation by the reception of the Spirit. Why? Because the moment one is converted, he receives the Holy Spirit by a question. Paul states that they received the Spirit not by the works of the law. Now, the works of the law basically is referring to the meritorious or good works. They received the Spirit by the hearing of faith. In other words, it was a result of their faith. Now, we need to be very careful here. The gospel is true, irrespective of experience. What experience does is to corroborate the gospel. There are many people today who reason from experience to truth. I personally believe that the word of God reasons from truth 
to experience. Experience is not to be discounted, but it must be tested by the truth. You cannot begin with experience and then force the Bible to agree with it. Start with the truth of the word of God and let experience submit to the truth that is divinely inspired. Everyone has different experiences. Which person am I going to follow? To tell the truth, I'm not going to follow either one of them. You simply cannot base truth on experience. Experience must corroborate the gospel. So he asked, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of the law? What Paul does mean here? What does Paul mean by the hearing of faith? Does he mean the ear, the organ of hearing, or the receiving of the message, or the message itself? Well, I think he means the whole process. You have to hear something before you can be saved, because the gospel is something God has done for you, and you need to know about it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In this section, Paul is raising several questions. He tells these people to look back on what happened to them. And he asks six key questions that have to do with their experience. This is his first question. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Nowhere. Not even in the Old Testament did anyone ever receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law. He is received by the hearing of faith. The Galatians never received the Spirit by the law. The Holy Spirit is evidence of conversion. Scripture tells us, Romans chapter 8 verse 9, But you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Ephesians 1 verse 13, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, here is the second question. Galatians 3 verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Now, we, we have read that which they have begun in the Spirit is the Christian life. They began their Christian life in the Spirit. To be made perfect by the flesh is to bring the Christian life to successful completion by human achievement and one's religious accomplishments. Paul's rhetorical question denies the possibility one begins and ends his Christian career through the work of God's Spirit, period. What Paul is asking is this. If the Holy Spirit is the one who converted you, brought you to Christ, and now you are indwelled by the Spirit of God, are you going to turn back to the law which was given to control the flesh and think you are going to live on a high level, on a high plane. That is unthinkable. So that is a rhetorical question, but it has also piercing truth to convict the heart. Galatians 3 verse 4 Have you suffered so many things in vain? 
if indeed it was in vain. Now, this verse could be translated, Have you experienced so many wonderful things without effect? If so, then it really would be to no avail. Now, what are the wonderful things? The wonderful things experienced are understanding of the gospel, according to verse 1, is also the reception of the Holy Spirit, according to verse 2, and the seeing of miracles performed in their midst, even in verse 5. Should they now try to end salvation by good works, then all these wonderful things they have experienced would have no positive influence on them at all. So Paul asked the Galatians, Are you going to let all the things you have suffered come to nothing? He reminded them that they had paid even a very high price for the gospel. Was it all for nothing, without a purpose? Even the persecution they had endured because they had received the gospel, even their experience of having enjoyed fellowship with God. Now he raises the third question. Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now Paul refers to the ministry that he has had. He led among them. You will recall that his apostleship was attacked by the Judaizers. They said that he was a latecomer apostle, not one of the original twelve. He was not with Christ during his ministry on the earth. But came along later, Paul reminded the Galatians that he was one who had come into their country. He preached the word of God to them, and he performed miracles among them. He did not do it by the works of the law. Paul would have been very careful to say that if he had done in his own strength. He preached the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who died for them as the one who was raised again and in whom they placed their trust. When they did that, a miraculous thing took place. They were regenerated. Paul had the evidence that he was an apostle. The important thing for us to note is that Paul came to the Galatians not as a Pharisee preaching the law, but he came there as an apostle preaching Jesus Christ. That was something these people had experienced, and Paul rested upon that. Faith in Christ Jesus is the means of their new life and the channel of all their spiritual blessings. The gift of the Holy Spirit to believers and his mighty works in and among them are dependent absolutely on their faith, not through the works of the law. Divine Supernatural power is not received from a human natural source. Spiritual power is not produced by fleshly efforts. The Galatians had irrefutable evidence that grace is the way of salvation. The legalists had no evidence that their message was from God. The question raised here has only one answer. In summary, we have seen that justification by faith 
was the experience of the Galatians. That is why he asked them, What has gotten into you? He mentions the Holy Spirit three times in this section. He reminds them that they did not receive the Spirit by the law. The Holy Spirit is evidence of conversion. It is important to see that the gospel is true, irrespective of the experience of the Galatians or of anyone else. The gospel, my friend, is objective. It deals with what the Lord Jesus did for us. Experience will corroborate the gospel. And that is what Paul is demonstrating in this section. The gospel is sufficient. Experience confirms this truth. The Galatians were the immediate evidence of that sufficiency. And my friend, the gospel is all that you need. You don't need philosophy. You don't need history. You don't need geography. You don't need mathematics. You don't need chemistry. What you need is the gospel. I am saying for your salvation. Turn to Jesus. And in the childlike faith, receive the gospel. Receive, believe the good news, and you will be saved. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs, so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.